Thanks for choosing to listen to another City Point West podcast. I trust that this message empowers and encourages you to continue your journey of faith. Enjoy. Other thought. Again, I look across this room, there is a broad spectrum of ages. You know, we have beautiful young ones down the front here, and I'm obviously talking about Pastor Wendy. Uh, we have beautiful young ones down the front here. To some of us, like myself, that are a little bit more mature in the house and have been over the walking through life for a little longer than the others. And, and, I, and I look at that spectrum, and uh, in amongst that, that spectrum of age is a way of communication. Uh, I remember somebody sent me a text a little while ago and I was saying, look, having fun, this is cool. And they sent me a text, F-O-M-O. When they sent me that text, I'm like, what does that mean? And listen, I'm young enough to still do this. I've got to Google that to work out what that means. So I Google FOMO. I look across the room, all the young people are like, you're an old idiot. I get that. I understand. Listen, if you don't know what it is, I'm not saying you're an old idiot. You're just like me. We just don't have any idea about how people communicate in this day and age. So I Googled it. And I found out that FOMO means fear of missing out. And the person was saying, hey, listen, I'm freaking out because you're having fun right now and I'm not having fun. And they, they don't want to miss out. My message tonight is about ultimate FOMO, ultimate fear of missing out in life. Um, again, I'm a little bit more mature. In my growing up years uh, as a young Christian, I, I had a hero in my life. He was a man by the name of Billy Graham. In fact, he only just passed away just a couple of years ago. Um, amazing man of faith. In fact, if you read through, your history will tell you that this guy, Billy Graham, preached to more people than anyone has ever preached to before. This guy has led millions and millions and millions of people to Jesus Christ. He's traveled the world. When my dad was young, he even encountered Billy Graham traveling through Australia, America, right across the globe preaching. Millions of people encountered and found Jesus Christ because of this amazing man of God, Billy Graham. And for me, and I know for some of us in the room who know Billy Graham, you would know that this guy was just one of the great heroes. In fact, uh, in America, he, he spoke to uh, many presidents about Christianity. He spoke to many presidents and, and even, even helped be uh, a guide to many of the presidents in their Christian journeys and, and as a nation spoke directly into the nation of America. Incredible, incredible influence. But if you go back to when he was young, go back to when he was in his late teens, early 20s, he was a part of an outreach organisation that travelled across America preaching. And it wasn't just him, there were others. There was a guy by the name of Chuck Templeton. This guy, they tell me, and history tells us, that he was a better preacher than Billy Graham. In fact, if Billy Graham drew crowds of hundreds when he was young, this guy, Chuck Templeton, grew, uh, drew crowds of thousands. If Billy Graham would preach and, you know, 50 people would be excited in a meeting, when Chuck Templeton preached, hundreds would be excited in a meeting. They, they tell you, history tells you that Chuck Templeton, when they were young, had tripled the influence of, of Billy Graham. He was the most sought after preacher of the time. But by the time they got to their late 20s, Chuck Templeton actually turned away from God. History tells us that Chuck Templeton went and he actually wrote a book a number of years later called Saying Goodbye to God. He talked about his own challenge with his faith journey and 
And history will tell you that at the age of about 60, he died of, uh, in, the wi- in the arms of his third wife. He divorced a number of times in the arms of his third wife with significant Alzheimer's and died completely away from God in a place of brokenness, mess and despair in his life. You look at that. Here's two men, one more talented than the other, one more able to influence than the other, one with a brighter future, yet in the outcomes of life, really missed out on the fullness that God had for him. This ultimate fear of missing out is the fear of missing out in life. I know this, now the fact that I'm 45, turning 46 next month, if you want to buy me a present on the 20th, that you only have one life. We don't get a second chance at this life. Don't get a second chance at the decisions you make. Most of us, if we live to the age of 75, would experience around 27,000 days. Uh, Recorded history is approximately 6,000 years that we see of recorded history. Uh, That is 219 million days, maybe a little bit more, 2,190,000,000. It's something along those, it's a lot of days. But your life is about 1% of those days. Understand you have a ability to make decisions of something that is really important for your life and for your future. I want to encourage you that have the ultimate FOMO in the reality that I don't want to miss out on my life. If I see anything in this day and age and if I see anything in this region, I see people surviving but missing out on life. I see people getting through, maybe growing up in the ages but not growing up in the reality of life. I walk through Anala, I see 50-year-olds with no money, no wealth, no understanding of their future, no vision, struggling with the same addictions they struggled with all their teenage years and still going through the same processes of brokenness and missing out on the fullness of life that God has for them. King David, amazing young man of God who walked with God all of his life wrote this incredible psalm in Psalm 139 as he had an epiphany moment and a moment where he just opened up his eyes and realised he says, God, how great are your thoughts that you have for me? In fact, he says this, your thoughts for me are like the grains of sand on the seashore. Your thoughts for me are so wonderful. He says this, I realise today I've been fearfully and wonderfully made. He, He had a revelation that led him to a realisation that my life matters. Again, I look across this room, there's some young, some bit more mature. No matter how old or young we are in this room, our life matters and our decisions dictate the life that we have in the future. I look through the Bible and I see so many people that made good choices, made good decisions and their lives mattered. I tell you what's hard to find. What's hard to find in the Bible is those that didn't make the good choices and decisions and how their future ended out because they're not recorded. They're lives that just disappeared in the eons of history and time. But some incredible people made great decisions and they did incredible things. I think of four young men who were taken out of their land of safety and were brought into a place of broken mess. The Bible calls one place they were in is Israel and they were taken into Babylon, which was a reflection of today's day and age. There was sin, there was mess, there was wrong living. And these young men had a realisation, I don't want to miss out on the life that God's created me for. 
these young men realised that, you know what, God got me here for a purpose and a reason. And listen, these aren't young men when I talk as a 45-year-old. They're young men as I look across this room. They came to that country in their early teens. Young, young men. And they decided that they were going to live for God and make an incredible difference. History tells us these men become some of the most influential people in their nation. Taken out of Israel, brought into Babylon, one of the most influential nations in the world at the time. And they became the most influential young men in the nation. How did they do it? How did they not miss out on their time? I want to give you four simple things in the next 15 minutes. How we make sure we don't miss out on our time. We don't have FOMO, missing out on our future, but we outwork it to the fullest of who we are. I'm talking, of course, about these young men, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. If you've never read this story, you'll find it in Daniel and you read through the book of Daniel and you see the story of these guys. And obviously tonight, I don't have the time to read right through the book of Daniel. So let me give you a couple of snapshots of these guys. Again, as I've told you, they've been taken, kidnapped. The original stolen generation, kidnapped from Israel, taken into Babylon and they have no choice to be there. And they're getting trained and equipped. And the Bible says that in their training and equipping, they were told to eat things that weren't lawful for them to eat. Daniel and these other men decided first and foremost, they wouldn't do that. And, and we see in chapter 1, verse 5, it says they decide, I'm not going to defile myself. I'm not going to step in the wrong direction in those things. I'm not going to do that with my life. And it shows me this, first and foremost, they didn't fall into places of complacency. Now listen, where they were taken to was affluent. Can you imagine massive cities filled with affluence, filled with money and food, and they were given the best food. They were given the best things to drink. But they said, I don't want to defile myself. And they could have been complacent with ease, yet they weren't. I look across this room, we grow up in Australia. I, I know some of us have had it tough. I know that, I understand that. We're grown up in Australia, most of us in this room, and we're grown up in a place where we, we're not starving for weeks and weeks on end. You know, we have enough to eat. We, we drove here in cars. Uh, I've been preaching in, in, in places overseas where people walk for days to get to church. None of us did that this morning. Some of you may walk from down the road here in Anala. Some of you may have just traveled you know a little bit in the car none of us walked for days to get here we, we have a place where not many of us were starving and if you already are starving after service you're going to get some food but listen that ease can cause us to be complacent there's nothing like affluence and money and ease that causes Christians to be complacent like that we look back in history Christians dealt with some serious challenges if you want to read a book and you want to get blown out by a book, go and read the Fox's Book of Martyrs. That book is an absolute blow your mind at what the Christians in the first, second and third century had to deal with. As hundreds of thousands of early Christians were killed for their faith. They were burned at the stake. They were beheaded. They were hung upon crosses like Jesus. They were dealt with so wickedly and poorly. These men and women were so badly dealt with. Yet you know what it caused the church to do? Always grow strong. Here's our big challenge. When things are easy, complacency comes. 
Now I look across this room at some of us that have grown up in church and it's the hardest thing not to be complacent. I grew up in church. I had the gospel put on my lap. I didn't have to fight for it. Today in China, if you're found with Bibles, you can be imprisoned and killed. We don't deal with those sorts of challenges. Listen, church, those challenges are coming. If you would know anything of the last couple of weeks, you would know that those challenges are going to exist as right now Western society kicks against Christianity and what we know is the Word of God and we know of truth. But complacency exists today because ease exists. These guys weren't complacent. They could have been. They could have said, yeah, we're going to drink the best stuff, eat the best food. But they decided, no, we're not going to be complacent. We're going to go on to what God has for us. We're going to go on to our future. And the Bible tells us these men stood out because they didn't stay complacent. What does complacency get us today? Stops us praying every day. Stops us being in the Word of God. Stops us trying and giving our best to life. Complacency causes us just to go through life. And you know what I've noticed? Years go by quickly, very quickly. Years go by so fast, all of a sudden, we're looking at the other end of our life. Complacency causes us to miss out on that. I am grateful that God continually challenges me to make sure that I'm giving my best to life. If we read on further, they decide we're not going to make those decisions. We're not going to do that. We're going to purpose in our heart that we're going to continually move on to what God has for us. Secondly, they weren't complacent first. Secondly, they decided I am always going to push forward. You know, I've noticed this. If you don't push forward in life, you naturally go backwards. If you go to school and you just sit there and you don't push on and you don't study hard, you don't try, I tell you what, your grades won't naturally go forwards. I would love it if that's the case, but it's not the case. If you don't push on and study hard, work hard, learn, listen to your teachers, you won't go forward in your grades. And it's the same with the rest of life. If, if finances come into your pocket and you don't know how to save, you don't know how to invest well, you don't know how to buy the right things that are going to help you grow wealth in your life, this is your finances. It's always like this. Anyone notice that? Ten bucks doesn't go anywhere that way unless you invest that ten bucks wisely. Ten bucks goes that way, usually at Macca's when you get that ten bucks. If you learn how to invest it well, if you learn how to push forward, these men found a place in their life to push forward. They realised if I don't give all of my life, the Bible tells us that within a few years, these young men gained wisdom, gained health, gained strength, gained finance and gained influence in the nation till they stood beside the king and influenced his way of leading the whole nation. Now, I know you might look and go, I'm just young from Anala. I'm just here from this place. I'm just from there. But listen, with wisdom and a decision to say, God, I want to push my life forward. I want to push my finances forward. I want to learn. I want to be wise. I want to have wisdom around my life. You too can influence the world around you and make a difference for God. If not, life usually just takes us normally backwards. It's a learn and a decision to say, God, my time is short. I want to push on with you. I want to push into vision. I want to push into future. Now you may sit in this room and say, I don't have a vision for my life. If you don't have a vision, you will never push to something. Find a vision. Where am I pushing to? Where am I going? I watch young people today. Their vision is survival and they never go anywhere. I've watched young people for five years still in the same mess, same brokenness, because they haven't found a vision for their future, found a vision for what God has for them. 
I'm so grateful that I encountered Jesus at the age of 19 and He put a vision deep in my heart to see the world change for Jesus Christ. And it's a vision that's woken me up every morning from the age of 19, has spoken to my future and it's and has directed my decisions and directed how I'd live my life, direction, directed how I'd build my character and allow God to build me as a man of God. Listen, without vision, you'll never push forward. If we read on further in, in verse 8, it says they decided that they wouldn't defile themselves. My third thought for us here is they remained undefiled. Listen, we live in a generation that is happy to have no values. That is happy to live valueless. And, and listen, we're living in a generation that's starting to attack people that have values. Starting to attack our values. We could understand, church, this is our future. This is the challenge that we will continue to face. Daniel understood it. He lived in Babylon, a place that pushed wrong values continually on their life. But he said, listen, no, no, no. I don't want to defile myself with your value system. I only want my value system because I know my value system is placed by God and it directs my life, it directs my future, it directs my journey and it leads me into a place of character, uprightness and the, and the vision for God in my life. And I want to say to you today, get to a place in your life, whether you be young or a little more mature, that we continually decide I don't want to be defiled with the world around me. I don't want to be defiled with the mess that I see before me. I don't want to be defiled with the world's belief system, world value system. I want my values to be built upon the Word of God, the truths of God, the truth that He has for me and for my future. We need a generation of Christians that are going to continually arise with the value system of the Word of God. As unpopular as that's going to continue to be. I know. For those young people that are in this room in school, it's already becoming unpopular. I know in our workplaces, it's starting to become unpopular. Listen, I know as a church, it's already been unpopular that even we as a church would stand on the values of the Word of God. Listen, I'm not talking about judgment of others. I'm not talking about hating others. I'm talking about a value system that says in my life, I'm not going to be defiled by those things. I'm going to live my life with values. I'm going to live my life with an ethos that is a Christian, godly picture for my life and for my future. I want to encourage you today, no matter where you are, no matter how you stand, if you want to make sure that your life matters, you don't miss out on future, say, God, I don't want to be, I don't want to be caught up in what everyone else is doing. I don't want to be caught up in everyone else's outworking. Paul writes to the Roman church, he says, I appeal to you, I beg you, in view of the mercies of God to make, decisive dedication of your bodies, your, your living sacrifice, holy, well-pleasing to God, the, the outworking of your life. He says this, it's your reasonable service to outwork your lives as God has for you. Listen, young, mature, in the middle of that, how we live our lives, how we deal with our finances, how we outwork our integrity as a person, how we build our character, how we outwork our sexuality, how we outwork our, our language around our mouth, how we outwork our future marriages, our marriages today. Every aspect of that makes a difference to the lives that God has called us to live. These guys decided we're going to be undefiled. There is a strong culture in Babylon, but that's not going to affect us. There's a strong culture of how we live but that's not going to be what dedicates and, and dictates to me and my life. 
listen that is unpopular that is a challenge that is a little difficult but I want to speak to every one of us in the room to make a decision in our world to say listen I'm going to be undefiled I know how I want to live I know what I want my life to look like finally they were undefiled so therefore they're unaffected by the world's culture we live in a day and age where culture through everything is so strong at trying to change our culture. The culture we live in is so strong today in every area of that. I, I know for me, for you, as a Christian leader, as a, as a Christian man and woman of God, as Christian young people, culture is screaming at us, screaming at our lives and screaming at who we are. It's continually trying to change us. Listen, as we read on this story, this is what we see. We see four young men in a place where they're told to bow down and worship the king. Listen, four. A whole nation is living contrary to that. They're bowing down and worshiping the king. Before say this, my word tells me I won't bow down. My word tells me that I shouldn't do that. My word says, in fact, they knew, said you should only bow your knee to the Lord your God. And they said, I know we've been taken from one culture. We've been placed in another. I know everyone else is doing it. Listen, even the young Jewish men that are there taken with them, they were doing it. But these guys say, we are not going to bow down. Now, their outcome was probably a little worse than ours today. Their outcome was this, that if they didn't bow down, they'd be taken and killed. If they didn't do what everyone else was doing, they'd be taken and killed. Now, ours is, we'll be called a bigot will be called some rude names. That's probably the outcome that we will see today if we don't bow to the world's culture and the outworking of mess we see around us. We'll be told that we're anti the culture of the world. These guys, listen, they're in a place of death. And the Bible tells us that they were just completely unaffected by that culture. I love this. I love this completely unaffected the outcome for them was being thrown in a fiery furnace and I love this story because they walk out still unaffected they're not burnt they're not smelling like smoke they just walk out and the Bible tells us they walked out with Jesus they walked out with somebody that looked like the son of man that came out and walked beside them as they came out of the fire yet they're unaffected continually by culture and this is what they did they affected culture Listen, if you can learn how to be unaffected continually, you will affect culture. If you're not affected, you'll change the culture around you. But if you are affected, it's easily you'll just mold back into everybody else. Our job isn't to be molded to the culture around us. It's to mold culture. In fact, if we read on from Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says this, don't copy the behaviour and the customs of the world but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. I love this. He says, don't be affected by the culture. Don't be affected in behaviour, but affect it. Now, again, I know I'm speaking to a vastly wide group and I want to wrap up with this thought. Whether you're in primary school or whether you're significantly past primary school, whether you're a mature adult with grandkids or whether you're a grandkid the principle is the same the fullness of life is wrapped up in you being who God's called you to be the fullness of not missing out of life is 
about you learning who God wants you to be, how God wants you to live and living your life in that way. Can I say, if you don't know this, you'll never know how God wants you to live. If you don't know His Word, you'll never understand what your future is meant to look like. If you don't know what He's written for your life and the directions that He's guided you by, you'll be affected by every culture around you. I want to say to us right now, whether we're young, whether we're mature in this room, learn God culture. Learn God's vision. Learn God's picture for your future and shape your life by that. And from that point, see and realise how your life will also genuinely shape the lives around you. Listen, I think back to when my brother was young, he was going to school. And I remember him having, even at the age of 14, 15, such a strong conviction of his life. I remember one day him standing up in the middle of the cantina area where everyone was buying lunch and standing on a table and preaching to the whole school. I remember looking back then and just going, I'm embarrassed for my brother, you know. My brother, three years younger than me, wasn't afraid. He stood up there and he preached. I remember the end of that, young people just making a decision. I want to follow Christ like that guy. You know what? My brother was three years younger than me and I always envied that in him. Such a strength, such a confidence. You know what? That led me back to Christ at the age of 19, my 16-year-old brother, encouraging me back to Jesus because of that boldness. Listen, these young men were so bold in who they wanted to be that they affected a whole nation. They become leaders in a nation. They stood beside a king and encouraged the king about how a nation should lead forward. Powerful men. In fact, if you read completely through history, their influence was so great that hundreds of years on, when Jesus was born, the people that they'd trained had trained others and trained others and trained others so much so that those people had seen a star and they traveled all the way. Those wise men, came from the influence of these men. Listen, the religious leaders at the time didn't see Jesus, but wise men that were, in, that were influenced by hundreds of years of leadership from these men enabled them to see Jesus come. Know this, your lives and my life can matter today, can make a difference. It's about our decision to say, God, I want my life to matter. I don't want to be affected. I don't want to be moulded by others. I want to be a moulder. I want to be moulded by the Word of God. I want to be moulded by the one truth that I could live a future and not miss out on what God has for me. Come on, let's pray. Holy Spirit. I know this message will keep speaking to you as you continue your day. So for more information about City Point West, jump on citypointchurch.com or follow our social media accounts, Instagram, City Point West, or our Facebook, City Point Church West. Have a great day.